Hello and welcome to the Crossthread Off-Road Podcast, where we discuss what's happening in Minnesota with off-roading and the off-road world. I am your host, Mitch Mose. Hey guys, welcome back to the Crossroad Off-Road Podcast. I'm joined here by a couple of couple friends, one old and one new. Uh, John is, uh, John, John, what's your last name again? Phillips. John, John Phillips. Phillips. Everybody calls him John P. And then Brad Nelson's back with us. And I want to bring these guys back to talk about uh, some of their experiences over the years. And one of the big things that happened this last week, which should be a surprise to nobody, is that it snowed out. Okay, I don't know if you guys are like I am, but when it snows out and the plows aren't out, that's my favorite part. I, if it's a Friday night, 9 o'clock, I jump in a Jeep and I go do a little joy riding. It's not illegal to go hit some of those, hit some snow. And the deeper it is, the better. And I just love it, especially if it's a Friday night if I don't have to work the next day. Because <laughs> I'm going to go out there and tear it up and have some fun. But we're going to talk today about some uh, off-road trails in the area at off-road events that are coming up that uh, we want to share with you, but also some of our past experiences at those particular events. So, uh, but first I want to welcome, you know, Brad, we've, we've had you in before. Thanks Brad's so the guy with the uh, white CJ on 38s. A 39.5. 39.5, yeah, I insulted. I insulted both of these guys. And then there's John. I actually said his job, his Jeep was a stalker, and he spun around pretty quick and told me it wasn't. <laughs> but, John Phillips, why don't you tell us about your, your, what you're driving and kind of a yeah. little bit about it and how you got to that point. Yeah, absolutely. So I've uh, been wheeling for about 12 years. Uh, the Jeep I have is a 99 uh, TJ. Uh, it's red. Just to paint the picture there. Uh, <laughs> and uh, really, I, I, my uh, philosophy is more keeping it more towards stock. So I'm I love love driving it on the uh, you know kind of a weekend driver or out to the hardware store to pick something up. Um, also in the four wheel drive club, so I like to take it out wheeling. So uh, relatively stock looking Jeep, just sitting on 31s, uh, 31 BFGs. Uh, the non stock part is I have lockers in the front and the rear. Obviously, it didn't start out that way, so it just progressed with one locker, then two lockers. And Which one did you put in first? Put in the rear locker first, and I had read quite a bit about that. Um, there's people that have both philosophies on which one should have a locker first. Mm-hmm. And you went with the, the rear, and it's an Aussie locker. Is it Aussie in both ends? Yep, or is it, Aussie yeah. in both ends. So that's the lunchbox locker, the automatic lockers, the torque sensing. So it's uh, engineered to be, you know, to not engage as you co- kind of coast or very light throttle around a corner. If you did turn a corner and hit the gas kind of aggressively, that's going to engage the locker and you'll chirp the tires. <laughs> okay. So there's no smoking of my tires in my Jeep, but it'll chirp the chirp the back end. So. Oh, that's good. So I've enjoyed them immensely, at least for winter wheeling, since you kind of mentioned snow. The front locker really seemed to come through that way. Mm-hmm. You know, with the way the engine on the front axle pulling you through the snow. Mm-hmm. So the Jeep itself, uh, again on 31 inch tires, all terrain tires. Um, Wait a sec. What'd you say there? All terrain. All terrain tires. <laughs> you go off road with all terrain tires. Yeah, you. The mud trains is much more common. Um, all terrains, of course, road friendly. A lot more road friendly at the sacrifice of some off road. The all terrains have been. They, in general, they work well. It's the mud when they get caked with mud that shows their weaknesses. Are these the KO2s or are they? Which ones are they? Yeah, the I've got, actually got some of both since the, tire, the front rears. Where um, I upgraded at different times, so KO2s on the rear, and then the older style in the front. Okay. Okay. So, uh, aside from that, just um, have some uh, protection. The first time I went out wheeling, I saw one of my buddies with a stock Jeep as well. Um, obviously, there's a lot of rocks and obstacles. Um, he went over one, and you saw some of his trans- transmission cooler fins 
broke off. Oh no! Sitting on the rock. So I told, told myself, um, you come out the next time for the support. You need more Under Armour, you know, armor body protection. So rocker guards and some uh, a nice big oil pick, oil skid plate. So okay, so you got a little bit of protection under there, yeah. and then the rockers. Uh, yeah, we were out in my garage uh, before this, and uh, kind of showing some my Jeep upgrades because yeah. it's slightly upgraded, not hugely upgraded. And uh, those are some of the same things I did. Obviously, yeah. the rock sliders are a big deal, and makes you feel a little better when there's a big jagged edge. Absolutely, yep. And I did watch some YouTube videos where a, a girl was driving an LJ, who looked pretty new, mm-hmm. and went right on top, going over a bump, and then right onto the rocker and dented the whole tub. I'm like, yeah. ooh. I saw that, I'm like, well, I need rock sliders. <laughs> yeah, get rock sliders before it's too late. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so it's, and it's one of those deals where a lot of times there's rust there anyhow, and that, that side of those TJs, and yep. that covers it all up. I mean, my buddy uh, and I, we did ours all together, and we had a situation where he had a, he took off his stock Rubicon uh, sliders, which are you know more show than go. Yep. Pulled those weight. off, and there's literally a hole there. So we, we pour 15 that whole side. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, kind of ground it all so it's nice and, you know, looked nice. Got all the rust out. We could then pour 15 that whole side. And then waited a bit, and then we well, rhino lined that whole side. And then I did the same thing on mine too, because I'm like, I might as well rhino line underneath it. Right. And then my brothers, we did the same deal too. It's kind of like you get a group of guys together with a similar Jeep. Your Jeeps look alike after a while. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that guy's upgrade. I like that guy's upgrade. Yeah. And so that's kind of what's happening in our our little you know buddy group that we get together on. So, and I've you know John, I've I've seen him out on trails before. Like one of the first years I was out, I was trying to do the math. I think 2016. It might mm-hmm. be the first year that I was actually at Chuck's winter run, and I think you were one of the lead guys because I remember seeing your red Jeep. I said, "Follow the Jeep." We got the red Jeeps. <laughs> I follow him, yep. and then uh, fall run this year. I think oh, last year, fall run last year, I went by myself and I jumped in on your group. Okay, it was a small group of stalkers there, yeah. and this year was a little bit bigger. There's a little more people there, so it was, mm-hmm. it was still fun. But I remember following you around, and we've went to areas I've never been to, so that was that was a good time. So anything else to add on a Jeep and put a big stereo in there or anything? Uh, no. Um, I think that's about it. I mean, the armor's definitely necessary. I saw the same thing out in a run where someone hit the rocker guards with a nice stock newer Jeep, and, you know, it's, it's not fun damage, so. So the thing that I like about John's Jeep is he's had it about the same for the past 10 years, and we've had him be kind enough to always bring out the newbies. For the past 10 years and I've heard it several times where people are getting in line behind John going I don't know if I want to be following this guy and at the end they're like going uh, how the heck does he make those trails like that <laughs> so that to me is the underscore of get out there whatever you have get out there get on the trail go with a few buddies don't go it alone and learn from just being on the trail and doing it and it's amazing where you can take a near stock jeep with just a couple of lockers yeah yeah we were i think we talked a bit and when my my buddy wade comes back we're going to talk in detail about our first time at chuck's winter run and we were so nervous and we Ah. did not you know i've been on atv a bunch and he's been on motorcycles a bunch but we were by you know we got these new jeeps we had them i had mine three months and he had (laughs) us about six and we're gonna go take him up this giant hill, and I was so nervous, my teeth were chattering, my jaw was sore. I was like, I'm definitely gonna roll this thing today. Yeah. But you know, they can do so much stuff stock. It's it still blows my mind. And my, I think we were talking out in the garage before we came here about your type of wheeling, like to go slow. And Control, my favorite thing yep. is being first gear and just go just barely, you know, let it almost idle up the hill, versus gunning it, mainly because it just you want to make it look easy. <laughs> You know, exactly. what, what you want to have it just to be easy. And so I really enjoy that that slower, methodical way to go. And 
it's, it's just a, a fun thing. And these things are out of the box. They're so capable that it's not even funny. And so it's, uh, I'm glad that you kept it mostly stock and uh, the way you do it. I'm very thankful that you showed the newbies kind of how to do it and, you know, how to go and, and very patient, yeah. <laughs> very patient. And uh, with some new guys, especially nervous guys like myself and my buddy Wade and Brent and, and my brother Mike. So it's, that's our small group of guys. <laughs> that's our guys. But uh, we have a good time going out there with our, our stock plus Jeeps, I guess you could say. Hey guys, we're back. And so uh, one of the reasons I want to bring come in and talk to these guys is we're going to talk about some opportunities that are coming up in the world of off-roading. And so uh, there's a big one coming up that I'm a very big fan of. We talked about a little bit already. It's Chuck's Winter Run. And it's out of uh, River, River Falls, Falls, Wisconsin. So from the Twin Cities, it's probably about 45 minutes. You get there. You get gas while you're in town there real quick. So you're, you're all filled up. And it's the first one I went on. Like 2016 is the first time. I took my Jeep uh, off-road for real, and John was the was there. I remember John. I, remember, I actually remember Brad also, but I think you pulled me out once. You probably don't remember it, but I was stuck <laughs> on a hill, and somebody comes flying up and pulls me out. But, um, so we're going to talk about that and kind of what the event is and kind of a bit more about how to get there. There's a few different uh, Facebook pages that are dedicated towards some Jeep clubs in the area, so we're going to kind of shed some light on that so you can go to those and join those different uh, opportunities that are coming up. So can I kind of turn it over to you guys? I know Chuck's Winter Run is usually the first weekend in February. Is that the case again? Yep. Uh, it's the first Friday or first Saturday in February, so February 1st this year. Mm -hmm. So that's a week. That's a weekend of the Super Bowl, in case you guys are wondering. So <laughs> It's a Saturday, not the Sunday. Yeah. It's not the Sunday, yeah. but yeah. So you can have a lot of fun on Saturday also. And so tell us a little bit more about it. What, how long has it been going on, first off? Well, one, I don't know the exact years, the, at least the summer runs into the high 20s. Okay. And even I was talking to Chuck, which was our kind of main contact with the landowners, and one of the times he was uh, hard-pressed to get the exact date. But uh, certainly the fall run on the high 20s, right? I don't know if you know the exact, and the winter runs probably right around that. So t at least you know well over 20 years of having fun at that site. And yeah, I think we've cracked 30 years now with, we have, the, uh, okay. with the fall run. And then the winter run was only a few years behind that. So it's been going on for a good while. Okay. Yep. Started out with him bringing out friends out there, and it wasn't really a formal club thing, and then it kind of turned into friends of friends. Then it kind of turned into a club thing. So that's why the date's kind of hard to, you know, figure no. out when did it really start. Yeah. So it's been a good opportunity for off-roaders for a long time. We know that. And it's kind of, it's got some names of some trails and so on. But if I'm a new wheeler, and I remember, remember doing this, and I found the, uh, went to the, I don't know, I think it was Minnesota Furrow Drive Association's maybe Facebook page, and I asked for the address, and they didn't direct message it back to me, the specific address. They don't post it. They, right. They'll message it back to you. And then you go to the farm, and then um, what can I expect that day? I know coming in, I know about it, but I want you, you to tell me what I sure. could expect. If I'm a first-time wheeler, what time should I be there, and what can I expect when I get there? Yeah, um, well, first is connecting with us. Probably the easiest is this through our Facebook site, Minnesota Trail Riders. There it is, yep. Yep, and... We, you, obviously, we then you know the start date of the February 1st and the Saturday. The run starts at 9 o'clock. Um, if you can be there at 8.15 or 8.30, all the better. You kind of mentioned stopping into town and gas up before you go to the event. That's always a, a good tip to keep either half to three-quarter full tank of gas just in case you're out on the trail longer. Um, Don't forget your personal gas tank. Get, <laughs> get breakfast in the morning before you uh, head out. Yep, a good breakfast. Snacks, uh, something to drink, too. Um, so what to expect, especially for someone a uh, full-time. So one, the it's it's hosted on two farms. 
Um, so after you're getting the meeting locations is, you know, traveling through a little more of the, the rural outskirts of River Falls to the farm area. We have a, a plowed parking lot. Yep, a plowed parking lot, yep. And I remember there's a, there's a gate that we have to, it's not a gate, but it's a, you have to stop and pay somebody. Yep, yeah, to check in, yep. <laughs> I gave him the money sign, I'm like, we better talk about how much. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's only about 40 bucks, right? Yeah, $40, and, and like a lot of clubs, we're, we're not a... We're not a club that makes money, but we do have you know natural expenses to keep um, keep the, the wheeling place open, insurance, porta potties, uh, that kind of thing. So it's you know. so we do make sure we have a porta potty at both locations, and due to popular demand by a lot of the women, we have a um, handicap porta potty. So there's plenty of room to sit down in that and Absolutely. get ready. So we've had a lot of feedback from our uh, from our female customers that they highly enjoy that. So. <laughs> a little room to move is always a good idea, yep. I think. Yeah, but $40, to be honest with you, isn't a whole bunch to pay, I don't think, uh, because uh, you know it's a liability thing. I know, you know the, the club is paying for some liability insurance on that. Yes. Maybe maybe just a little more other expenses you incur just by having an event somewhere like that, like you mentioned. And I know there's a tent set up right at the beginning. Can't miss it. There's somebody to talk to. They'll wave you in. And then if you're a first-time wheeler, uh, like myself, or some people around me, like they're like, what are you doing underneath that Jeep? And there's some things you can do to your Jeep to make them a little bit more. We're going to get into the, the tips about off-roading, especially in the winter, but just in general. Uh, but you might want to get there a little early because there might be a few things you want to do to your Jeep. So, But there is two locations. They are how far apart they are. I think about five miles. Is that about right? Uh, about 3.1. <laughs> Give or take the data, the data guy. Yeah, they're not too far apart, and uh, but the trail ride. All you really got to do is find the jeep that looks like yours. And uh, what I mean by that, if you're a stalker jeep, you're not going to want to go in the buggy line. You're going to want to stick with the guys that are your jeep that looks like your jeep. So well, that's how we gravitate. That's how I met John. Is uh, well, there's a, there's a stockish jeep. Let's go by that guy, and uh, and they kind of point you in the right direction. Anyhow, the the, the people who are there, the volunteers uh, for the event, the people putting it on. But that's some of the things I remember. And there's also a big flag on your Jeep. Is that right? There's a big orange flag, right? Yeah. It's um, One of the um, reasons for our guided trail rides is, is simply a lot of gr ground to cover. There's two There's two farms. Um, if you've been to the, the property multiple, multiple times, you probably get to know your way around. If you're new, it's um, you know, to find the trails would be next to impossible, you know, <laughs> less, unless you follow the trail in the wintertime. Yeah. So we do guide people out. As you mentioned, we separate them out usually into stock, modified, and you know, unlimited classes. Uh, you can start in one group in the afternoon and switch to another group as you you know as you want to in the afternoon. So, and and real quick too, we do have guided trail rides because we want to make sure you stay on the part of the land that the landowners have granted us the ability to drive on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we want to make sure people are staying out of the crops. In the winter, it's usually quite a bit different where we're allowed to go in the fields. But that's something that we really do stress because the landowners, you know, it's a working farm. We want to make sure people respect the farm. That's another reason why we do guided trail rides. And then additionally, at the beginning before we start, make sure you allow enough time for tech. So we do a tech inspection where we go over mm -hmm. the vehicle. Um, it's listed on our website, what we require. It's nothing crazy. I'm not going to get into the details here, but it's as basic Safety. as have working, have a working vehicle, have everything in good shape, have a fire extinguisher, have a um, recovery strap with you, have tow points with you. And honestly, the biggest thing I've seen fail 
the battery. The battery. Yep. Battery tie downs. Yeah, we literally yeah. at our um, at our fall run we uh, did a class how to off road, which we're now doing every single fall run. And one of the people with a brand new Jeep did not expect to fail the tech. Well, he had a place to place the battery. They replaced it with a different size battery. And sure enough, that little plastic wedge wasn't holding it in, and he failed tech. He had no idea he was going to fail tech. So check the battery. That's the biggest thing, I would say, other than making sure your vehicle's in good order. And a lot of these things that are on the <clears> list <throat> of, like, for almost anybody should have in their Jeep, a uh, fire extinguisher exactly. is, is one of them that you don't think about that almost everybody should have in a Jeep or an off-roader. But our vehicles, I mean, yours, your Jeep is older than mine, and yours is definitely, your CJ is over, way older. Uh, yeah, there might be a wire crossed here and here and there every now and again, and, and or it might be a, a little mouse or something created a, a nest on top of your yeah. your, uh, your exhaust somewhere. So when you start it up, guess what happens? It gets a little warm and fires up. So having a fire extinguisher is a great idea. Now mine stays in the Jeep at all times. Uh, my my straps are going to be in there when I drive the Jeep off road. Definitely moving the straps over to that one out of my daily, and uh, that way I have be able to pull myself out or pull somebody else out as needed. So check the website for that, uh, the requirements when you look at Chuck's Winter Run. Uh, tech is, and do it on yourself. Go through it. And don't expect that I'm going to wrap a rope around the bumper and pull. You know, get, mm -hmm. get a real strap. You know, those tie-downs in front, you go to Harbor Freight or to Tractor Supply, 20 bucks, not even 20 bucks, 8 bucks I think they cost. You can get one, and they bolt right up. And uh, I know this because my buddy did that. Uh -huh. <laughs> he, he needed one, and he went there, and he goes, he bought two, and he put one on. He goes, well, this one I'll just keep as a spare. Yep. And that's the way it's been for years. And, and almost all of them have the rear tow package on there, and you can buy Home Depot has them where you just slide them in the receiver, and then you have a hook to get onto. So uh, they're easy, and they're inexpensive, and if you prepare yourself, you're, you're ready to wheel. So look on the site for that. It's, it's about 10 or 15 things, and, and 10 of them, I swear, I swear are, are easy to pass it's just yeah. having a few extra things and the other thing that i want to stress about the run too is it's in winter usually the winter run starts to kind of wind up about three o'clock um, sometimes by four because it gets dark a little early get out there by 8 a.m i know it's going to be tough to wake up early but you only have so many daylight hours we usually come in for lunch everyone has lunch that'll take anywhere depending on your group from a half an hour to an hour so the time out on the trail really is pretty limited in the winter but if you get out there early when the trails are fresh that's some of the best wheeling there is if you ask me that's yeah. my favorite type of wheeling well too the type of snow i mean we could talk about different types of snow but the the fresh kind of compacted little little wet snow i mean that I feel like that's the best, obviously the best traction. But then you have that powdery, sugary snow. Good luck. It's mm -hmm. just you're not getting too far. And and what to expect when you're in a trail? Expect to be stopped a lot. Uh, and expect to pull other people out and then get pulled out. Even if you're, you know, my, my buddy, I'll, I'll tease him forever, but he got stuck on a log out there. And uh, he has a Rubicon. He had locked in. He couldn't move. And it was a flat ground. <laughs> yeah. He got turtled up on yeah. his log. But you just, and you look for trouble. I think um, one of the pictures I'll be posting on the Instagram, you can follow me on Instagram at Cross, Cross Thread Off Road and on Facebook under the same name, same as the podcast. But I'm going to post a picture and it was a surprise because these guys were telling me, hey, we have videos. Check out the videos. And I found a, a screen, took a screenshot and it was John by his Jeep. And why don't you tell us a little about that story? Yeah. That's that's out of Chuck's, isn't it? Yeah, it, that was at Chuck's. Uh, one thing about the winter runs, that's the kind of the variable factor is, is how much snow you got that year. Yeah. Um, it's in February with the light snow years. It could be, you know, six to eight inches, the heavy snow years. And we've definitely had them. There's several feet out there. 
you get the farmland, you get a lot of uh, blowing, it can create drifts. So the one picture you're referring to was a year we had a light snow and I was a little, um, well, basically I was just looking for a bigger place to play. He was looking for trouble. Looking for trouble. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's challenges out on the trail, no questions asked, but I couldn't find a deep snow. Um, so I, I found the spot where I had done some natural drifting in a bowl and I, you know, gave it a shot going through and as it turned out it was a little bigger drift than I thought. <laughs> And, uh, you know, despite having lockers, um, kind of find yourself a little high-centered on the snow and to the point you can't move. So um, the nice thing about off-roading and at least with our club, uh, with the guided tours or the guided uh, trail rides, there's always someone to pull you out. Yeah, the so, funny thing was about this picture, I actually sent it, I didn't send it to you, John, I sent it to Brad. I go, yep. is this John? And he goes, yeah, that's John. <laughs> and then we look at the picture right before we started recording, I looked in the background, it's Brad in, so, in his white CJ coming to pull yeah. him out. <laughs> yep, so... Uh, yeah, Brad's pulled me out many a times, and uh, it's hardly any inconvenience. So it's uh, and always kind of a, you know, gra- a grateful feeling when someone comes by and gives you a yank out. So yeah, at first, I remember the first time I, got, I was like embarrassed. I can't believe I got stuck. Yeah. I have to pull me out, and then I got stuck again. I can't believe I have to pull me out again. But now I'm like going, yeah, I got stuck. You know, here's the rope. You know? Oh yeah, if it's you're, if you're it's not nothing. stuck, you're not trying. Oh yeah, you, you have to go out there and get stuck because that's how you learn where your limitations are. When to give it more gas, when to give it a little less gas. But, yeah, I specifically do remember that instance, and that was a lot of fun. But I always enjoy pulling John out because I know he puts in the time to drive around the newbies and stuff. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard on the radio, you know, hey, Brad, I need you to come here and pull us out. <laughs> you can also head down there. And, and, you know, I'm lucky enough that I've got uh, Hummer beadlocks on that thing. So at the winter run, I'll run it at 3 PSI. So, you know, I can float on top of the snow with those eye rocks very, very easy. So I usually do get called on quite a bit to pull out, but I don't mind at all. Yeah, and there's a a few, I think last time I've talked about this a few times, but when last fall run, I I got a few of my buddies to come with me because the year before was the first year I went. That would be 2018's fall run, and I went by myself. That's where I met you again. Then 2019, I got them to come out. And I told them about the 2018 fall run. I'm like, well, I, I went to places I've never been to before. Right. Yeah. And uh, it was great. And then when 2019 rolls around, we're places, again, I've never been to. I keep on finding more. I thought it was just going to be Cripple Creek here, here, and here. But then I keep more I go, the more directions and different places I go back to. And uh, so I'm like, I'm, I'm happy every time I go. And we had the most fun uh, there. I think the fall run was our favorite place to be. And obviously, we've, we've been to a few places, uh, but not as many as some guys have been doing it for 20, 30 years in the Jeep. Right. But I'm like, oh, that was a, a very fun run, that fall one. Uh, but some of the places that I remember that I really enjoyed the first time it went. Yep. We were talking about some first-time wheelers that might be listening, like, well, what's out there? I think Cripple Creek was one of the first things we dropped into. Yep. And to me, it was the, the craziest thing because you're – Basically pointing a Jeep straight down a hill, <laughs> look at the ground, then yep. you're going back up, you're, you're articulating a little bit, and it's a very slow, uh, methodical you know, path, you could say. Yeah. It's an old creek, and it's kind of dried up, and you're going up and down these ridges, and you know you can get through it because the guy right in front of you just did it. <laughs> you know, exactly. He did it, so I'm just going to follow that guy, and sure enough, you just you put right through there. And uh, do you guys remember kind of the first time you've been down a Cripple Creek? Or? Yeah, absolutely, yep. John named it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, if you help clear a trail and you help, you know, um, move the things and get it set, you, know, you get to, you know, participate in naming a trail. That's how we do it as part of the club. And the name, uh, John named Cripple Creek. Oh, there you go. <laughs> the one nice thing about the creek is the kind of the highway, so to speak, or the, the easy flat road is the creek bottom. 
So that's the flat part, but the fun is usually off to the side. Yeah. And what I, what I do is just look for little challenges. I mean, there'll be a, a three or four foot ledge on the side of some parts, and that's a nice little part to just climb and pop up. Yeah. In the summertime, if it's, especially if it's dry, not a problem. In the winter, some years, the first couple attempts at it, I just didn't have enough traction or enough motor to get up it. Maybe wait till later in the day where it's either packed down a little bit, and then there's your opportunity. Boy, or the sun comes out too. You know yeah. that, that that trail or any trail, get a little little heat on it, it soften it, up yeah. a little bit. It can get harder because if it gets a little icy, a little slickness yep. to it. Uh, but yeah, I've I've been through there a few times. Uh, even after the trail lead left, I'm like, okay, we're gonna go through here a couple times by ourselves right. a little bit, and uh, just kind of tool around a bit. But yeah, that was I remember that uh, one vividly in the back of my mind. And then before you get to that second farm, there's a big long hill that goes up. And there's a big long hill. I don't know the name of it, but it's before you get to the second farm, right before that. And we went up that first, and I'm like, "There's no way I'm getting up this hill. This is what I'm thinking." Yeah. And, you know, and we, I had first gear low range. And I didn't even touch the accelerator. I just putted up the whole thing. Like, oh, this is great, you know. Nice. But we got to the top. We it was too deep there. We had to come back down, and then we got into the Cripple Creek area. And uh, so I remember that one too. But I was, I was just thinking, "There's no way I'm getting up this steep of a hill." And it wasn't even that steep yeah. compared to what I was at 10 minutes later. <laughs> yeah. So the nice thing, Mitch, you mentioned earlier about, you know, how difficult are the trails out there and stuff. We as a club actually have a complete map, and it's shared at the location. We ask that it not be posted on the Internet. But so you can come there and take a look at it. We also have a cheat sheet for how hard the trails are. Mm -hmm. Now, as you mentioned earlier, due to weather and, as John said, you know, due to rain yep. and, you know, conditions, stuff can change quickly. But we do have a little cheat sheet so we know where to take people and, and to kind of let them know what to expect. Mm -hmm. That's good. And this is, again, this is Chuck's Winter Run we keep talking about. And if you just Google it, you can find it pretty easily too. Yep. Uh, but there's a few different places you can go. You mentioned Minnesota Trail Riders, is that one? Yep, Minnesota Trail Riders, both on Facebook and at the web. Mm -hmm. There's a website for our club. And that's the home club of that that runs that yep. trail. And this is private land, so it's a couple different farmers that that we got friendly with. Oh, you guys got friendly with, and uh, that allow us to be on their land. We're very thankful for that. Without these yep. these private lands, uh, we don't have much public land to get into, uh, but the private land is there in the area, and, and that's a nice short drive for us to get out there in River Falls, Wisconsin. So, but. What are some of the other places I can go? I'll say that I really get into this, and there's a couple. I can't make Chuck's first, you know, the February first. What are some other places? Where else can I go? So RPM is a um, real performance machine, or RPM4x4.com. Uh, they're out of... Um, Chatech, Wisconsin? Yeah, Chatech, Wisconsin, um, known as Apple Valley Farms. It's another private farm. They have a wonderful event on February 22nd. There's a lot of hills there. Um, they also, like uh, River Falls, they have a lot of land, a lot of different trails to go over, which is really fun. And then usually the first Saturday in March, the Gophers, um, if you look up Memorial 4x4 is their website, they have an event as well. Um, they do a winter event that's a lot of fun, a lot of snow. Um, and then always open is Gilbert. Now, Gilbert's closed for deer season, so you have to be careful around that. But Gilbert is open year-round where you can go out there. And also Appleton. Appleton, Minnesota has a nice um, public park that you can go out there and you can wheel during the uh, normal park hours as well. So those are the main ones that are open. There are some private events out there, but if you're looking at wheeling this winter, those are the places. Um, if you go to the DNR website, you can find a little more about trails that are open around the state to include like Spider Lake or places that are north of Highway 2. 
The rules change a little bit if you go north of Highway 2, where you can go into a state forest and find like a minimum maintenance road yeah. as well. But the key thing I will warn against anyone, and I've got a story or two about getting stuck that I'm sure we'll get to, is make sure you go with someone. And if, if you're absolutely insistent on going by yourself, really pause, try to go with someone. But if you do go out, even if it's with one or two persons, let someone know you're going that you're going out and when you're expected to be back so you can check in with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of the first rules of hunting also. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's right there. Make somebody know where you're going to be at and where you're supposed to be back. That way they know to come find you if you're not back. Uh, you mentioned uh, Spider Lake and Gilbert. There's a special thing you need to have, a little tab, right? Yeah, you have to have a DNR sticker. Um, it costs about $32, $33. It's good for three years, so it's a heck of a deal. Um, as long as you have that little sticker on you, you're good to go. Yep, and it's just a basically it looks like another license tab on your on your tab, but it's just red. Exactly. And it goes in your upper right corner, I believe, and uh, it's pretty easy. You just got to bring in your information on your vehicle you're gonna be taking off out there with, and they'll give you a tab. Uh, yeah, I think you mentioned all the ones I have on my list. Oh, I forgot one. Okay, go ahead. The Masabi Mountain Trail. Yep, that's open in the winter too. So that's right next to the Gilbert Park. Um, in fact, if you go out to our webpage, Minnesota Four-Wheel Drive Trail Riders, we actually have a video for the first time it was officially open to the public where we ran the whole thing. And at the beginning of the video, you'll see me put that ORV st um, sticker That's on right. my license plate because I wanted to celebrate driving on the first yeah. Grattanay Trail we had in the state. Okay, cool. That's awesome. That that was a lot of fun too. Just the opening of a brand new trail and kind of the excitement and things that you've read about to actually be there and try it out. So, <laughs> yeah, if you do a lot of work to help get it open, you you, yeah, you want to celebrate that. And um, I'm hoping through you know the voice that you you know having this voice that we can get more trails open that we can get some more things going. And you guys even hear about some things I was talking about yesterday with somebody else. But I got like four or five more interviews to do off of one phone call yesterday. Awesome. So it was a, a long call, and we got a lot of ideas off that one. But it all has to do with you know I just I'm trying to be a trail advocate and trying to help people get the trails open and uh, just being a, a voice for that a little bit. And I'm thankful we have things like Chucks and Gilbert and Spider Lake and all these other ones. We have those, but really be nice to have a little bit more. It's just you know more opportunity to get more people out play. there and to have some fun and play. And being that it's it's winter, there's a few rules that are a little bit different for off-roading in the wintertime and a few tips and tricks that these guys got that they want to share and I want to hear about it because maybe I'll add a few more things to my, my tackle box. So kind of what are some things that you might suggest for us for off-roading in the wintertime? Well, first I got to set the kind of stage for this. Um, so I used to be involved in forums, um, you know, really before Facebook kind of took off and was posting like crazy. And I came up with this nice little list and I shared it with the club. And John was kind enough to take that list and say, hey, Brad, do you mind if I uh, post this on, um, get a hold of the Minnesota Off-Road Magazine? So he got a hold of them and posted it, and it actually hit their magazine and went out there. So that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, we got credit for the club, which is really nice. But really, it's kind of a, a basic list if you think about it. But it, it really is important. It's so much more important in winter wheeling because of the weather. The weather can change things immediately on someone. So we just we wanted to share this list, make it available for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and first of all, as we talked about earlier, you know, it's like swimming, like hunting. Don't go alone. 
Mm-hmm. Make sure you have a buddy. Do the buddy system. We actually prefer for winter wheeling having four or five vehicles with you because sometimes if a vehicle is stuck and broke, it takes that many vehicles to pull Just it to out. Pull them back. You'll see it on videos in the snow. Um, it, it's great. It's common sense. To, to go with a bunch of vehicles when the weather's like that, um, you know, just think worst case scenario. And then second is clothes. I cannot stress this enough. I don't care if you have a phenomenal heater. Your vehicle <laughs> might break, you might be outside of the vehicle. Or possibly we've seen this too where someone has a phenomenal heater and then all of a sudden that winter on a cold day, that's when they find out they're a little low on antifreeze, some snow gets in the radiator and all of a sudden that phenomenal heater has been great for 10 years isn't working so well. So that is key to have clothes. And if you're out in the snow, it's really easy to get wet. Mm-hmm. And once you're wet, that changes everything. Now, if and I remember having... from my winter biology class from back in high school, mm-hmm. I think if you water has, takes body heat away from your body mm-hmm. 25 times more than air. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like you fall in a lake, you better get out of that lake real fast. Yeah. For in other words, but uh, you get got you got minutes if you fall into a a, a lake. Uh, so if you're cold, if you got wet feet, and you start getting cold. You don't realize how fast you're getting cold compared to anything else. And then if you get out of the jeep and you're wet, you know, and that wind's hitting you. And exactly. It, and if you have to hike somewhere, so worst case scenario, you're by yourself. The jeep breaks down. Obviously, you're not gonna have a heater because you, you don't have a jeep anymore, and you're wet. So having, I know you're going to kind of get to this, having a second set of clothes and having some yeah. dry boots or something exactly. like that with you is important because if you are going to be moving now uh, out in the elements, you're going to be in trouble. So continue on. Sorry I jumped in, but I... No, I, no, no. Thank you. I remembered that one piece from 20-some <laughs> years ago. My winter biology teacher would be very excited. Very Dave proud. Call would love that. Yeah. <laughs> so the other thing we suggest is don't wear cotton. You know, have like a um, polypropylene, something or wool, like I've got smart wool socks, something to pull the moisture away from you. If you have a pet with, make sure you have something for them to stay warm as well. Um, If you have kids, have a second change of clothes for them. The other thing that I absolutely is a must, in fact, I carry extra of this and several club members have some of this for me handing it to them, it's a tarp. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. when you have to work on your vehicle, you lay the tarp down over the snow, you kneel on the tarp, your knee's not getting wet. It makes a huge difference. Yeah, we so, use an old uh, well, a mat, cardboard. A, not, yeah. Yeah, not a, a mat uh, rug, yeah. like an yeah. entryway rug, because it has a rubber bottom that's a little softer, and then it has a little insulation yeah. to it. So I'm, I was actually disconnecting the sway bar in my Jeep. And I had this old rug underneath that I've laid down. The guy next to me goes, "Well, oh, I gotta do that now. That makes more sense than laying in the mud." <laughs> you know, so it's handy if if not for yourself, it's for a buddy. Yeah. So for you to pull up and go, yeah, no need to crawl under your jeep and get all muddy. We'll throw this thing down. Muddy or wet in the snow, and yep. you know, if you're if you're underneath there changing a some bolt or whatever came loose, or you blow a bead on a tire, you're gonna be down there for a bit. So you better you know have something nice to sit on or lay on. Yeah, I was at the home store once and they had the small tarps on sale for I think it was a dollar ninety seven at Black Friday or something. So I grabbed like six of them. I think I have one left. <laughs> <laughs> so next thing I would say is the vehicle. Make sure your vehicle's in top condition. Snow wheeling will stress your vehicle more than any other vehicle because you're gonna be on the throttle a lot more. You're gonna be under torque. Um and also to follow that you need a full gas tank. You know, I, I kid you not, I waste more in one day snow wheeling than I do three days normal just rock crawling out trail riding. I mm-hmm. mean, it is very important. And then talking about the vehicle, low tire pressure, what a difference it makes off-road. You definitely want to go with the lower tire pressure. 
but you have to be very cognizant. Uh, well, what's cognizant. Thank you. Cognizant. <laughs> Mindful. Mindful of turning really fast. If you're going downhill and you turn, ooh, don't do that because if you lose a beat, it is very difficult. So be careful turning um, in the snow, but that lower tire pressure makes a huge difference. Now, if you you mentioned three pounds of air in a beadlock tire, so what a, if you guys and don't I'm know. I'm talking a Hummer beadlock, a beadlock yeah. front are on the outside and the inside bead both. Double beads. Yeah. Double beadlock. So beadlock, you can go, it's a special tire, not road legal, I don't think, in Minnesota, or is it? No. Okay. So not road legal in Minnesota, but it's great for off-roading, and you can take that tire pressure down to three pounds, for example, in some cases. Uh, for, but say that I got my stock tires, I got the uh-huh. the uh, eight-inch aluminums on mine, and I think I go down to, if I go down to 12, I'm feeling like I'm going to blow a bead on a rock somewhere. Okay. So I kind of stick closer to 15, and... Uh, you know, funny story about that. My buddy, we're out at Gilbert, yep. and he's just like, "You're going on a 15 only? I'm going on a 10." He's a, he's on his <laughs> seven inch uh, stockers on his uh, TJ. He's all excited about going down to, to seven inches. This is you again, Brent. You love it when I give you a shout out. And um, so then he hits a sharp rock. And not only blows the bead, but he blew the tire. And oh, he, no. He put a nice gash. And he had mm-hmm. put brand new KO2 30 inches on a couple, mm-hmm. like a last last winter, I think. And uh, great tire, but not when there's a sharp rock and a you know, jab the side yeah. of it. So and if you look on my Instagram post, that's where we stopped, and we put a bunch of plugs in that thing. Like, let's just try this plug system out, see if we can get it to work. We got that. We put six plugs in, I think, kind oh. of excessive. But we got the hold. He got home. Yeah. <laughs> but he got from work on Monday. The, the tire was flat. Yeah. And so, um, and what also pays to have a bunch of good buddies. My other buddy Wade found some Mickey Thompson 33s that somebody else was trying to sell. Yep. Ever for a good deal online, and Brent picked them up, and boom, he's on the 33s. <laughs> so he he upgraded real fast when he found those, and they were rims and tires. And he awesome. got so he boom slapped them on, and he was ready to roll. But uh, but we you know backing up a little bit having the tools and this is why i talked a bit about my buddy wade mm-hmm. he goes well let's give this a try you know but my, my last podcast he's the type of guy like well let's try out this patch kit that i bought and he uh-huh. plugged kept on plugging in there he's like instead of taking the tire off the the back the uh, spare mm-hmm. let's see if we can get this to work and sure enough we got the work just fine and that was that was part of my story with wade is like he's not afraid to try that i'm like oh, okay let's let's try it we don't take this thing off but uh but you know back up to the tire pressure story is uh, I'm glad I stayed at you know 12 to, or 13 to 15 or around there because I I, just, I didn't want to blow a beat. I've done it before. It's not fun, no, you yeah. know. But the traction you get, you know, if you're stock, you know, daily driving it, you know, on the street, you know, 30, 35 or 38 pounds, wherever you might be at, uh, the traction difference you get in the snow or off road down at 15 pounds, immensely different. Yeah. Okay, yeah. your tire gets a little wider. You get to use the uh, the sidewalls a good bit more. Uh, guys who've been wheeling for a while, this is old news to you. But for some guys, they haven't done that. My first time at Chuck's, mm-hmm. there was a guy there, and he looked his Jeep. We, we called him the 80K Jeep because it looked like a sport that the guy bought, uh, unlimited, that he bought everything off the quadra check. Uh-huh. He opened a book and just kept on ordering everything yeah. in there. He had everything. He had on the pillar, he had tire pressure gauges on the pillar from every oh, no. tire. He had everything. ARB lockers in there. And he's right in front of us, and he's having a hard, hard time getting through stuff. And I'm like going, well, if he can't get through it, we're screwed. I mean, he's got 35s, you know. Yeah. He's rocking a big Jeep. And somebody goes, are you aired down? He goes, no, I'm at 34, 35, 35, 34. And he's like, 
guy's like, what are you doing? Get down to 18. <laughs> so he went down to 18, yeah. and boom, he was going through stuff again. And we kept on, you know, kind of joking around, like, well, he has all that money spent in a Jeep, and all, the cheapest thing you can do is just let air out of the tire. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's just really easy to do, and then that Jeep just becomes a much better crawler, much better at, uh, you know, it softens the trail up for you, too. a lot more traction. A lot so more traction. I, gripping I over add, rocks and everything. i, I got to add to this. So um, the year that we had the most snow, was that 14? I think it was 14. So it, it's 14. I'm down to 3 PSI. My IROCs are rather new. And I'm flying through the snow. We're, we're actually going through one of the main fields. And the front end would dive into the snow just enough. And I'm on the throttle. I mean, we are flying so fast I can't believe it at least 12 miles an hour <laughs> you know I've got almost wide both, open wide open throttle this with your V8 yep. swap to V8 yep um, and the snow would come over the hood and I would close my eyes and I would count to five seconds and then finally I'd feel the snow end and I'd open my eyes and I could see the field where I'm going and then we'd hit a little bit of snow again close the eyes you know, and, and literally the eyes were closed about half the time. And then my buddy sitting next to me starts pointing to an area, and he is sitting, well, if you know how close you sit in a Jeep, you sit pretty close. He's yelling at me and pointing at an area. So I thought, he's like, head Try over that, that way. Yeah. Well, after I got stuck, I learned that he was pointing, don't go there. And I'm like, oh, go there? So I turned there. And, and part of this is on the video that John actually recorded. It took... I think it took John an hour to catch me to where I was, but I hit this one area and full throttle flooring it and I come to a complete stop. And the Jeep's, like I said, at three PSI, floating really nice. I go to get out of the Jeep. I jump out of my Jeep and I literally go to my waist. I'm not kidding, the waistband of my Jeep of my jeans is where I went to. I turn around to my Jeep. I put my hands up on the door, and they're fully above my head. I'm pulling on the door the to bottom pull of the myself door? up the bottom of the door, <laughs> and I can't pull myself up. And I'm looking up at my Jeep going, how the <laughs> heck is my Jeep that high up in the air? And, and I, I went way down further than yeah. it. I mean, it was just utterly amazing. It literally took myself 15 minutes to get unstuck before I could get into the Jeep. And as you were talking, Mitch, before, the very next thing that we're, we're, we've got on our list here is supplies, bring with a shovel. Okay. That's how I was able to get unstuck because I, I had a lot of fun. I don't know if you remember this, John, but I remember, I remember this yeah. key. Is I got on the radio. So as, as we heard earlier, you know, as you know, um, you know, I pulled you out. I, I pull out a lot of people. I enjoy that because it's how I can give back. I got on the radio and I started calling in every favor I had. <laughs> I called in every single person that I could. And the funny thing is, because I was in this middle of the field in this really deep area, I think the snow was so deep as I was talking, it was coming over the hood. I don't think anyone could get to the point of seeing me. I, I think <laughs> it took. I think it took like a half an hour before I saw the first person when we were digging out and stuff. And then they started kind of coming around and stuff. But yeah, there, um, the funny part is there is a vehicle out there that can make my vehicle look tiny. We had a uh, huge buggy on 49-inch IROCs that was like just zooming around. He had, he had a motor on it. Yeah. It he, was, I don't know if it was supercharged or not, but it really sounded sweet. <laughs> yeah. So as soon as you think, you know, you're doing pretty well off-road, there's always someone. There's always somebody bigger, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, having, having a shovel 
Grab that shovel, throw that in as well. If you ever go, you know, you can YouTube this, but uh, you look at mountain snowmobiling, they'll do that thing where they'll stop, yeah. and then they'll jump off their sled, and they'll be up over their head. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's just like, you would jump down there. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm glad I wasn't in a Jeep with you. <laughs> but also, I wish, I wish I was a guy who was coming laughing at you. I know some of your buddies probably did that. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> plenty of that going on i am sure but that's that's the fun of it if if nothing happened like that on the trail you know you're not going to tell stories by the time yeah, you get back you know that's our favorite thing after we the first time we went out here and got stuck a few times we went downtown to river falls and had a burger and a beer and oh we laughed my jaw was so sore from smiling <laughs> i was like this is so much fun i can't believe we just did all that you know yeah. that's kind of way it feels uh, one thing you did mention though a touch point you talked about a radio yeah. And and I know it's a requirement for the trails. It's not a big big expense. It doesn't have to be. But talk a little bit about what the importance of having a, a FRS radio. I think that's the main requirement. Yep. So, well, we don't. Ap- if you're with a guided trail, you don't absolutely have to have one coming out to River Falls. It's highly suggested. Mm-hmm. And it's so much more nicer to be a part of yep. the conversation. And if if especially if you're in John's group. He's always on the radio giving advice, um, telling you, you know, oh, it's a little slippery to the left, stay to the right. Um, it, it, it's just so nice to have that communication. You can call out quickly and easily. Yeah, having it's a spotter. Yeah, it's the fun. Yeah. The fun of it, yeah. Like he's talking about having a spotter there. So you literally have somebody outside of the Jeep saying, there's a rock about to hit your belly pan. Don't go there. Or go a little to the left. It's, you'll know, hit a rock there because you give you traction. So it's important to have a, a radio. You know, $20 specials, I think you, yeah. you got to look for FRS, basically. Uh-huh. Uh, there's some fancier one, Rugged Ridge. Is that one of the big brands out there? Uh, but I think my first ones were the green and black. I forget the Motorola's, maybe. And I have, yep. a, mm-hmm. I have a set of those. And I actually bring, I actually have a Bofang also, but I bring all three out to the trail. Because granted, somebody else is going to have two dead batteries in their yes. Jeep. Yep. And I'll be like, here's my spare. You know, and it's happened a time or two where somebody goes, I don't have a radio. I'm like, here you go. You know, somebody I don't even know. I'm like, here's a radio. It's it's good to have one. And then I get them back at the end of the day. That works out just fine. But having an FRS radio and when you get to the trailhead, when you talk to John and one of the guys who are putting it on, they'll tell you channel four is the main one or channel six, whatever our group is going to be, whatever channel mm-hmm. you turn your radio to that and you can hear the conversation about where you're going next. That way you're not in the back going, where are we going? What are we doing yeah. here? What's the holdup? And then somebody will say, well, actually what's happening. Somebody's just, you know, you know, Brad buried his Jeep and we're helping him out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we use it a lot too for, we do the guided runs, you know, on, on three new customers or three, not customers, three new uh, trail riders showed up, you know, send someone back to pick them up. You know, someone needs something back for camp. Um, obviously, if you're stuck, um, not everyone's got a winch on their Jeep in the wintertime. That's a, you know, toe strap works about 80% of the time, but when you need the winch, you're going to need your buddies with winches. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good good point. Yeah, the winches are, they're a great ad. You know, it's one of the first things we did in our, in our yeah. Jeep, so... What else you got on your list? Looks like you got a few um, more things. Yeah, a couple more things. So, want to make sure we mention tire chains. So, tire chains is something... Tire chains is something we rarely see on the trail. We do see it time and again. Um, it works well when you have hard pack and ice. Um, outside of that, um, when it's fluffy snow, they really don't help a whole lot. And usually they just take kind of more time to put on mm-hmm. than necessary. So we don't encourage tire chains for off-roading. Um, if you swear by them, you've grown up with them, you love them, you know, we're not going to say no. But we've just seen... You know, 
with a little bit of driving skill, sometimes you can get through certain areas. Sometimes you absolutely, the chains would help, but usually you can just grab a strap, a slight yank, and you're out of there. So we're not a big fan of it. And One then, disadvantage of the chains too is if you have wheel spin, meaning spinning the wheels, if the chains ever come off, it's kind of like a, no, it's a whip. Yeah. yeah. So if you're just driving so like over a parking lot, like in a plow truck, for example, that could be a better application for snow chains. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not necessary, I would say, yeah. Yeah, you know, if it's completely slick ice. That would be helpful. Yeah. And you drive nice and slow and don't turn the tires. So that kind of brings us into driving style. And um, we really do like to say, if you can't go up a hill, don't go down it. <laughs> um, we've seen that time and time again where people will, you know, they can't go up hills, they can't go up hills all around them, then they'll find a hill that's even steeper and they'll go down it because it's the only path they can go, and then they're stuck at the bottom of the hill. So always try going uphill first, and then when you make that hill, you can turn around and come back. Mm -hmm. um, another thing is, you know, try not to lose forward momentum. Mm -hmm. The worst thing you can do in any type of wheeling is when you get stuck and your vehicle stops forward momentum to then floor the tire. You don't want to do that. You don't want the vehicle hopping, which it does less of in the winter time, but a lot of times momentum is going to get you through something. When you're hitting that hard part of the obstacle, you should almost be coming off the gas. Um, so that's something that we see a lot of people get stuck, then they floor it and they just create ice, and that doesn't go anywhere. And that flotation really is the key. And sometimes, like I was talking earlier going through the field, you do just have to hammer it down to keep, you know, ungodly speeds like 10, 12 miles an hour in the snow. <laughs> mm -hmm. that, yeah, that's where you definitely you, uh, use some gas up, uh, hitting that rev limiter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one, one other thing, too. It's a lot easier to be pulled out the way you went in rather than to continue forward. So that's something we do a lot of is we will pull people back out of the tracks that they went in. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about all the events before. Um, Chuck's, to my knowledge, is the only place that has been open every single winter run. And there was one year where from the parking lot, the farthest anyone made it was 100 <laughs> yards. Oh, really? Yeah. That so, was snow, huh? Yeah, that yeah was there snow. was that much snow that 100 yards was the farthest furthest anyone ever made it. And it was still fun, though, I bet. Oh, it's still yeah. a blast. <laughs> an absolute blast. But you just pull the person back, then the next person tries, and they make it an extra five feet. Pull that back, the next person in line tries it, and yeah. It's extreme, yeah. but I've noticed, too, being a smaller rig, when you get those years of uh, a lot of snow, up to two feet of snow, smaller rigs I've learned is just stay in the parking lot for a little while longer, let the big rigs <laughs> knock it down a little bit, then you can go have your fun. You take a stock rig on 31s in two feet of snow, you may just end up parking it. <laughs> in a parking That's a good lot. point. So, kind of let yeah, them so sit sometimes back. sit back a little bit, let the trails kind of get knocked down, then you can start maneuvering around. So That's a good point, too. Some of those guys with the big tires, they've, you know. Let the big boys go out and break it down. Let them break it down. I think the, I don't know, what's the name of the hill? There's that the one big side hill that people are trying to get out. Is there a name on for that for that one? I took them with the extreme climbing hill that we had open for a small not period too far, of time. Not, not for the, no, it's real close to the main farm. It's just straight out, I guess, from the entrance. And uh, not a huge hill for you guys with the big 38 and a half, 39 and a half inch tires, but it's down by the creek where you kind of go around, but then you can kind of, you come from the top right by the bunch of deer stands. Okay. I think that's Marvin's Mountain. Okay. I think you're talking about Mayhem. 
going up that. It's it's pretty wide. Mm -hmm. It, it kind of goes up. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, that's a tough climb right out of Cripple Creek. Yep. You know? Yeah. Oh, that one. Not, not, not that no, one so not much. That one. I'm talking right about the the, the winter chucks uh, where you yeah. meet the winter wheeling. Yeah. You know, you kind of come around the barn and the parking lot's here and you kind of turn that way. And uh, Melvin and Geraldine are two hills and there's, I think, oh, a bit, perhaps it's the gully areas there. So, I think, I think that is, yeah. I think that's it. Is it a gully or is it because we have one hill. big hill that's like there's no trees on the hill mm -hmm. almost yeah so that we call that horsepower hill okay ah, that's not that's open in that's not open for the summer run not officially um, and in the winter run depending on certain years we will have contests going up that <laughs> hill and we have some uh, fun videos where we have high horsepower rigs that don't make it <laughs> because the snow and everything is just right but that's a lot of fun. To yeah. hit that hill, yeah, we had a blast on that one. Uh, the first year, I think we didn't leave that main. We had Cripple Creek in that spot. Uh, then we went back to this yep. second farm a little bit, and we went, and there was a there was a ditch. I got stuck in. I got stuck there a year, I think. <laughs> uh, but it's so fun. And we went down to the one hill on the way back side. I don't know the name of the, the big rigs we're trying to get up, but they weren't getting up it. And we just watched them for a half hour. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's that's fun. You it's know, fun watching. watching some guys try to go up the hill. And, yeah, well, we're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we turned around with two around some other places. But it was great to do that. I think this is a great part of the sport, too, is you can come with whatever rig you have, and there's a lot of entertainment and of other types of rigs. And we talked about some of the, the high-end rigs, you know the two buggies, the forty nines, the the built engines. That there's you know thousands and thousands of dollars of engine work done. So there's a lot of I think entertainment, and it also goes the other way too. You'll have an old uh, a flatty, you know a, a, a military jeep, a forty one, you know nineteen forty one, a sixty year old jeep out there too, and that someone's built up or restored, and that's a lot of I think great fun too. Well, there's a one guy comes out, I think it's a red little flat fender, has little. Tractor tires on old tractor tires on there, about oh, yep. this wide, about that tall. Yep, and he's turning around out there and uh, still getting it done. So it's really cool to see those guys out there and see those old Jeeps. Yes, and, and you can see new ones, you can see all the, the JLs you're starting to see out there. And last year at the Winter Run, it was the first time I've seen a JL in person. Yes. The, yep. One of the Jeep dealerships was out there, mm -hmm. uh, brought one out. It was the first one I've, I've seen in the JL uh, Wrangler, and it was great to see that Jeep out there. And, and uh, but then in the, this fall run, I did see brand new JLs out there on yes. the trail. Yep. And that blew my mind. <laughs> yep, yep. I've guided a number of them, and I always try to be mindful of what vehicles to have. You want to take them down the trails that we groom more so they're not going to get little pinstriping on the side. Well, these guys didn't care so much. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting pinstriping in my you know, 9, or 2001, and they're getting it under 2020. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, dude, that's what you want. That's why you bought it, I guess. Right. And I, I wouldn't do it, but that's their Jeep. Uh, but... For the most part, you're, you know, I I think I take those as just warrior marks. You know, that's right, just like, right. hey, I actually take this thing off road because you you drive through the city, you'll definitely see a jeep or two that like, well, that that thing's never getting off road. You know, but if you got a couple scratches on it, yeah, that thing goes off road. Yep. So, oh, I see a nice jeep in the parking lot. First thing I do is. I get down, I look underneath, and I look for scratches. No scratches <laughs> underneath. I just keep walking. I see, you know, a little damage underneath there. I'm then I start checking out the Jeep. <laughs> well, you can tell from by my license plate that it's seen better days. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's been bent over and bent back a few times, and and trying to find a better spot for it. But I can't. Find one. It's funny you guys mentioned. It. I do the exact same thing. There's the the common signs of something that's been someone's had a little fun on the trail. 
and usually that's uh, something that's not as straight as it used to be, or more a little more scraped up than it was when it was new. One of my goals here is to get a mall crawler on this, and talk, talk to a guy who is, <laughs> and one of my clients, I was teasing him, and I said, uh, I gotta get you on there, I had to call the mall crawler episode, mm -hmm. ah, shut up, he said, but he did a smart thing, and, and he bought a sport, mm -hmm. and he got a great deal on it, it was a JL, it was, it, he was looking between the JK and JL, and I suggested, well, if you drive the JL, you're gonna buy it, he, that's what he did, yeah. mm -hmm. but then he bought Rubicon takeoffs, mm -hmm. uh, a rock slider, tires and wheels, so it looks like a Rubicon set for the fenders, and there was no sticker on it. But it has some of the quality because it has Rubicon wheels and tires on it that were come from the factory. He got them for a song, right? And then he put sliders on it, and he's halfway home. You know, now he just needs to go get it dirty. <laughs> so I, I've got a guy I'll put you in contact with, uh, Gavin. His uh, son and I do Muay Thai, and um, he has a really really nice Jeep. He's a little afraid to take it off road. I'm still trying to talk him into it. He wants to. <laughs> Um, but it's on 40-inch tires, so um, he has yet to take it off-road. <laughs> mm -hmm. So he was actually at our meet-and-greet we had at Under Pressure Brewery before the fall run to kind of let people know about the how to drive off-road class. I think he'd be a great guy to talk to because he absolutely loves his Jeep. Mm -hmm. He's just like, ah, I got too much money into it now to take it off-road. Oh, <laughs> you put 40s on it. Well, that's his personal opinion. But uh, I think we could, we'll, maybe we'll be a bad influence to him. Let's <laughs> hope so. Get him to make a few mistakes and take it off road. It's the most fun you can do. I mean, let's be honest with you, it's so much fun to do. So, anything to add, guys, that we want to add to this episode? I, I, I just like to say, I, I love winter wheeling. It's, it's fun. It's, you know, we don't, we don't have sand dunes around here. It gets, it's a definitely a different style of wheeling through the snow. Like Brad mentioned, it requires a little momentum, a little more throttle. You know, kind of trying to read the landscape in front of you to determine, um, you know, what's the safest amount of speed I can use. Mm -hmm. So it, it's a lot of fun. Um, come out prepared. Come out with your buddies, and uh, you have a great time. Yeah. So there's nothing like the feeling of floating in the snow when you have a little lower tire pressure. You're flying along at speed, and you're in a four-wheel drift, holding the throttle at full throttle, <laughs> turning the wheel... And like you're just going sideways and you know you're floating, you're no longer on the ground. <laughs> I mean, to me, you know, I, I do a lot of rock crawling. You look at my Jeep, there's not a straight body panel on it. That's the most fun there is four wheeling for yeah. me. Yeah. You really like the snow that much. Oh, there's, yeah. But you don't get, it, it's harder to find. Rocks, you can go out, you can drive to. Snow, the conditions have to be just right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, to me, I got a little, you know, sentimental because that's the first time I went off road is out there. So yep. uh, now that all the chucks are on it in the winter, I got my Jeep in late September and mm -hmm. uh, got to do some top, you know, topless driving for a little while before I had to put the top back on. Uh, but really enjoy. Uh, it got out that day, had a blast, and so cool. I'll be out there again this year. I was not going to be there. I had another event lined up, so I was really yep. bummed and I'm. Had my buddy all lined up. He was gonna tell me all about it on a podcast. What I missed, yeah. but now my <laughs> my plans have changed. and I'm open now, so Perfect. I'll be there. Awesome. I'll be there. So, well, folks, that's what we have for this week. And so, I want you guys to check out a few of the things we mentioned. Some of the uh, the websites we talked about. Uh, Minnesota Trail Riders, right? Yep. yep. Trail Riders is the big one. Uh, check on Facebook. And they'll have some events. And Chuck's Winter Run is the name of the one that we're mainly talking about. Uh, and then I'll try to get a picture of the tips. I'll put that on my Instagram and Facebook pages. You can look at that there. 
And also, too, if you like this podcast and you want to share it with some of your friends, share it right on your Facebook page. Tell people to go to it. Um, that way they can uh, they can also see it, too. So some of you guys are doing that already. Some of you guys are messaging me with some people I can interview with and talk to. Uh, want to hear more f- about people's experience off-roading and what they might have to add. So thanks for coming, John. Thanks for coming, Brad. Thanks for having and, us. And um, thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for listening. Next week, I'll be talking to somebody new about off-roading and the off-roading lifestyle. Hope you guys will join us. Thanks.